following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Did you bring your fan from the local funeral home today to fan yourself? Lord, it's hot, isn't it? It's hot. I I tell you, just looking around and seeing this first Sunday summer crowd just blesses me because people have already hit the highways and the byways and hopefully they're missing the hedges. But they are out running and going and I want you to do that. I really do. I want you to go have a nice vacation even if it's going to San Antonio or going out to the lake. I want you to have a nice vacation. I really, really do. But when you get through with vacation, I want you to get your hide back in this house. Because this house loves you like nobody on vacation does. This house loves their people. And we're happy to see you today. We really are. It's an honor. Uh, I always like to start out with something a little, little cute. This may not be funny to you, but it's funny to me. We're live today and uh, in this service and to all of our Facebook people and all of our people that tune in on our, our webcast and all the people that tune in on podcasts and whatever you tune in on. We're happy to have you today into our church in Tulsa. We say hello to you. Let's give them a great hand. It's an honor. God bless. But this man goes to the doctor, and he says, Doc, my wife's got a terrible hearing problem. He says, she cannot hear me. He said, I cannot get her to hear me or respond to anything I say. And he said, you think you might can check her? He said, well, just just bring her on in. He said, I'll tell you what you need to do, though. Go home. And start asking her something just in a normal voice, like from 40 feet. If she doesn't answer, go to 30 feet, and then to 20, and then to 10, then 5. And then if she still doesn't answer, get right up in her face. And just in the same, don't, don't scream at her, in the same voice, just ask her the same question. Because we've got to know how far away she can hear. So he walks in the door, and he says, about 40 feet away, what's for dinner? No answer. He starts walking toward her, stops at about 30. What's for dinner? Nothing. <laughs> 20 feet. What's for dinner? 10 feet, what's for dinner? 5 feet, what's for dinner, right? What is for dinner? She said, chicken. I told you five times. (laughs) That might be a cute story. I told you five times. Would you... (laughs) Oh, boy, thought she had a problem. He had the problem. And the doctor already knew that, you know. Would you stand, you're incredible people. We do this for no reason at all except just to have you stand. (laughs) Really, no reason at all. It's just an honor to see you, to love on you a little bit. We're talking about running with giants today, and I want to read a text today. It says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Everybody say, it's time to run the race with perseverance that's marked out for us. I love all of you. Tell somebody I'm going to help pastor and you may be seated. God bless your incredible, incredible people. Some of you still laughing over that joke, aren't you? You can't wait to get to work tomorrow. Tell that. If you tell it, tell it right, okay? I don't want somebody telling my story's wrong. Cheering crowds are awesome. The power of everybody doing all they can to encourage you is incredible. However, 
In a crowd noise, you really can't hear sometimes individual voices. But if you could put a mic to each one of them, if you're on your home turf, they would be saying something like, hey, keep on going, keep running. You're on the right path. This is the way. Walk in it. Run in it. And if they could, if they could, if we could pull them out of the stand one at a time and they would give you their words of advice, they would all have something lifting to say. I want to tell you, this is an encouraging series. It'll help you win life's race and also learn the Bible and the characters of the Bible. And by the way, we've got a great list we're going to be talking about in the next several Sundays. But the man we pull out of the stands today is familiar. His name is Jacob. He's a grandson of Abraham. He's the son of Isaac. Jacob had an interesting life. There's more written about him than most. And you could do really two months on him alone and, and really fill the space with every week. His life characterizes the kind of situation that many in this church, in this life, are facing. And here it is. It's when your life isn't turning out the way you had hoped it would turn out. That's where he was. And the reason? Jacob was guilty of trying to control his own life. We try to control ours. We try to direct our lives on our terms and figure out life on those terms. And simply put, life wasn't turning out the way that he had hoped it would turn out. So he tried to manipulate it and make it work out. And here's the funny thing. The more you try it your way, the further away you get from God's way. Life does not work, folks, through manipulation. Jacob literally from birth, the second he was born, was manipulating his life. It's a funny story actually in Genesis 27 when Jacob and his twin brother were being born from the same womb that day. Esau came out of the womb first and Jacob reached out of the womb and grabbed the heel of his brother. And in essence said, no, you come back in here, I'm going out first. That's funny. Can you imagine a child doing that, grabbing the heel of his little big brother? The guy was manipulating his life from day one. His whole life ended up looking like that. Now, what's interesting about his life is this, and I think the reason why these people are in our Bible is for us to be able to relate to them. On multiple occasions, folks, God tried to reach out to Jacob, and he had many encounters with him. They were close. Some worked fairly well, but not everything and not ever enough. They were just okay, mostly. He kept trying to make his own life work. And there are many of us scripting out a future with our signature on it when God already has one that he's written for our life. Our script of our own future gets more and more messy the more we do. This is what Jacob was living. So if that's where you are, this message will speak to you in a great way today. See, Jacob wanted that firstborn thing so badly that he tricked his brother one day into selling him his birthright. His brother came in hungry from a deer hunt one day, and he said, Look, I'll give you some food, brother, if you'll trade me your birthright. And his brother traded his future for his now appetite. A lot of us end up doing that the same way. And then when Jacob was trying to get married, he manipulated that whole scene also. He wanted one girl named Rachel, and his father-in-law wanted him to have another girl first named Leah. And so he... He worked a bunch of years to try to get the girl that he wanted. In fact, 14 years. And it was a messy thing. And what happens in the end, of the, there's a crisis and it basically is just a, a big old mess. And I'm telling you this because you can either go through things and learn or you can learn from these that we're going to preach about and never have to go through it. 
The second would be a whole lot better for you because you don't have to repeat history and the crisis and the chaos that comes with that. Here's what I want to say very strongly today before I start the lesson real strong. Let God have control of your life. Turn to somebody and say, let him talk to us now. One must say, God, I don't know. Whatever you have, I'm going to trust you to guide my life. Even, even many Christians are guilty of not doing this. They go to church. They call themselves Christians, and, but they're not confident enough to give God everything. God, I'm not going to give you my future. I can't let you pick my career, and I can't trust you with my money or my relationships. Oh, I want Christianity. I sure love the fire insurance side of it. I love that. But I don't think I can give you control of everything. That might not work out well for you, folks. I just want to tell you. Because if he's not everything, he's not anything in your life. That's right. You may not like this statement. God doesn't create the crisis, but he does allow the crisis to happen in your life. Because crisis has a way of getting our attention. God allows wilderness experiences to come of testing to stop stubbornness. In that we won't allow him to have control. He's got to have it in our life. Mother Teresa said it so well. She said, you'll never know God is all you need until he's all you'll have. And that's so true. Let me pastor a moment. I don't want you to ever get to the point in life that Jacob got to. But you can learn by listening or experiencing. It's less pain to listen. That's why these stories are for us. And when you give God control of your life, I'm going to tell you three things are going to happen. And they're all powerful things. And one day, Jacob, after having several small encounters with God, had a massive encounter with God at a place called Peniel. It happened in Genesis chapter 32. And if you avoid it, you'll experience a hard way. See, there's a difference in you falling on a rock or a rock falling on you. If you fall on a rock, you'll be broken. But if the rock falls on you, you'll be crushed. And I'd rather be broken in the presence of God than crushed by His power and have to pick myself up. So I want to declare some things to you today that three things happened to Jacob there in chapter 32. Number one, he will give you, God will give you a new strength. Everybody say, I need some new strength. Come on, it's summertime. We need a new strength. You don't have to support you anymore when you get that new strength. You don't have to build your own resume, your own reputation, your own career. Self-sufficiency, folks, is not a happy place. But God's sufficiency is a glorious place to live. David said it so faithfully when he said, God is my refuge and he's my strength and ever-present help in trouble. So Jacob in chapter 32 is left all alone. He has sent family and possessions in two different directions because his brother Esau is coming with 400 men and they're going to to take him out. So he thinks if Esau catches up with me, he'll kill only half my family. So he's all by himself and then there's this man. There's a man. The Bible translates kind of poetically that there was a man that wrestled with him. Some say it was God himself. Some say it was an angel. But most believe it probably was an angel. Perhaps Michael the Warren angel. But he wrestled with Jacob. Here's what I want to say. He wrestled with Jacob. God picked the fight. There's going to come a time when you don't do what you need to do and God wants you saved so bad, he'll pick a fight with you. For some of us, that's whatever Sunday looks like, whatever day looks like. You're continually in this wrestling match with God. He wrestled until the break of dawn. And when the angel saw that Jacob was not going to give in, he touched Jacob's hip. And it popped out a socket and he was trying to let Jacob know, look, look, Jacob, you think you're strong. 
but I'll show you how strong you really are. I put one finger in the hollow of your thigh and I, I created a limp that you'll never get away from, a crisis, a pain to say, you're not as strong as you think you are, buddy. I'm God and you're my creation. This is how God operates because he loves you. I remember raising our girls. I love our girls. We got three precious girls. They all love God. Their husbands all love God. Our kids all love God. I'm so blessed to have a wonderful family. But they were sometimes a little stubborn. Our girls were sometimes a little stubborn. Can I say they were sometimes downright ornery? Can I say they did a little rebellion in their life? And as parents, we wanted the best for them. We didn't want them to suffer. But Patty, Patty, when they were little, carried this little old paint stick about this long that stirred paint. And if you hit your hand hard enough, it'd break, you know. But she, it worked wonders in their life. <laughs> Patty and I kind of let them figure out the hard way that it burns real bad for a while. But after the burning's over and the crying has stopped, they say, my Lord, Daddy, I don't want to do this anymore. And that's what happened this day at Jacob's place at Peniel. God implied to Jacob, look, you've got to see that your strength doesn't come from the fact that you're all that strong. In fact, I'm going to show you how weak you really are. I want to say something today. There's too much self-reliance in the world today. There's too much I'm going to do it my way. Self-reliance will wear you out. You get tired of trying to do this all by yourself because you're just trusting in you. Good luck with all that. It's not going to take you where you need to go. I like to ask you five years from now, how's that working out for you? Or the last five years you've tried to do it, how's that worked out for you? You wake up exhausted. You come to church exhausted. You go to work exhausted, dragging. Jesus said, if you come unto me, hallelujah, if you're weary, I will give you rest. I will take your burden and give you rest. That's what Jesus said. He said, it's not a lay down, take a nap, just relax kind of rest. He said, I'm going to let you go back to work, but... You're going to go back to work with me working with you, not by yourself. I can be the portion of your rest because I am the rest wherewith calls the weary to rest. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. So he says, so he says, take my yoke up on you, not your yoke. Mine is easy. Yours is hard. My burden is light. I want you to do work with a different kind of strength. See, Yoke has two meanings in the Bible. One yoke is a generic yoke. It's just a piece of wood with two holes in it. You slipped over the head of two oxen. It's the Israeli Walmart version. You know, one size fits all. You get an extra large and it fits a small and it fits a double X and a triple X. You know what I'm saying. And if animals were different sizes, they would bruise and cause bleeding on one of the animals because the, the, the harness would be too large or perhaps too small. Then there was a custom fit yoke. Some of the farmers really loved their animals, and each oxen was measured individually. You know, some of them had big chests like me, you know. I'm teasing. And big tummies like me, you know, I'm teasing. I'm not teasing there. Because those animals love bluebell. Amen. The yoke fit the size of the animal. But Jesus said, I got more than just a, an original. I've got more than just a generic. I've got more than a custom fit. I've got a yoke that nobody's ever put on you. 
My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It kind of reminds me of the, of the thing. You know, they've got yokes now that they, they can put a 400-pound or 600-pound oxen in and a 400-pound, and the 600 can pull more than the 400. So they, they yoke them so that one can pull 60 and one can pull 40%. But Jesus said, if you'll come to me, it's kind of like if Windsor and I got yoked up together and we was going to work together. Windsor could do about 5%. I'd do about 95%. And I'd put a little yoke on him, and he'd think he's doing great, but he's not doing that great because somebody bigger is pulling the load. And I tell you, that's how Jesus operates. When you put his yoke on you, hallelujah, there's something happens in your life. The strain is gone. The struggle is gone. Somebody help me preach right now. You're still working, but with extra strength. A dad told his son one day, said, son, see that rock out there in the road? I want you to go out and move it. It's a boulder. He said, do your best, son, to move that boulder. The boy came back after about two hours and said, dad, I can't move it. He said, did you do your best? He said, yes, I did my best, Dad. He said, no, you didn't. You didn't ask your father to help you. Sometimes we got to understand that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and they'll mount up with wings like eagles. Do you know that eagles fly without even flapping? They just wait for a thermal, some hot air to come up off the ground and they just whoop, it's one, and then they just soar. Compare that to a hummingbird. That old boy's so tired when he gets home, mama's got dinner fixed and he won't eat meat. He wants to go to hummingbird bed because he's flapped all day. It's time for some of us to get some thermals in our life. And every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, it's thermal day around here. Oh, I'm preaching right now. And the Holy Ghost is our lift. It's our lift. And you need to spread your wings and say, Holy Ghost, I don't want to do this by myself. I need the power of the Holy Ghost in my life. This week. I'm preaching about 67% better than you're responding right now, but I'll take it. Bible said he gave him new strength. New strength. The second thing he gave him was a new identity. Wow. God's into new, isn't he? That's really not a true statement, though. You don't get a new one. You get the one you were always supposed to have. The one that God created for you. Before you started writing your own story. And messing it up and signing your name to it. This is good stuff. The angel said, watch this. What is your name? What is your name? God knew his name. But he will make you come face to face with the identity that you created for yourself. He made him say it. Say it. What is your name? He said, my name. My name is Jacob. I'm a trickster. I'm a beguiler. The name actually means deceiver. What he was saying is, I'm a mess is what I am. From the day he grabbed the heel of his brother, the parents said, well, there's the trickster in our family. There's the guy who's going to figure out a way to get it done a different way than the normal way. But watch God next. God said, no, 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 no. Watch this. Watch this. No. You will no longer be called Jacob. I didn't create you to be Jacob, I didn't create you to be a manipulator. I didn't create you to be a deceiver, a beguiler. I didn't create you to walk through life with a mess. From now on, you'll be called Israel, which means a prince with God. Because you have fought with God and man and you have won. Hear that. God does not see you as you are. He sees you as what you can become when he touches your life. God doesn't see actualities. He sees 
possibilities. I have a dear friend in Dallas, Fort Worth that wrote a song. He saw not what I was. He saw what I could be. When he reached his hand to where I was, he took a chance on me. And all I had to offer was just a possibility. Still, he saw not what I was. He saw what I could be. Aren't you glad you that have found Jesus in your life? Aren't you glad that he changed you around? He gave you a new name. He gave you some new strength in your life and a new hope and a new day. Now I speak with authority on this point. I can't with all the points, but I speak with authority on this point. Because I'm telling you this. I'm living out a script and I was in my high school that was in my college years that was not God's script. No, I wasn't going around messing up, fornicating, sinning, doing all the nasty stuff, no. But you wouldn't recognize me then. You really wouldn't. Oh, I'd, I had hair. <laughs> but I was so inferior. I was very insecure. I don't see that, Pastor. I had zero confidence. Well, you just didn't know me. Raised very poor, got into circles of people because of some things that happened that had a lot, and I didn't feel secure around those kind of people. Could not even gain the courage to ask out a girl that was in that, that echelon of life. I remember a speech class in college one year. I was trying to become a speech person because I was majoring in business administration. And uh, I'm in the business now, aren't I? Wow. And I got up and I gave him a speech. And here's where I gave it. I closed my eyes. I couldn't even look at people. I just closed my eyes. And I had it verbatim in my mind. And I gave him a speech. And boy, it sounded good to me. But there were some people out there that I couldn't open my eyes. I just couldn't look at them. And the teacher called me up after the class over and said, Rex, I'm going to give you an A on your, on your project because you had a good speech. But I'm going to give you a C on your presentation because you were terrible. <laughs> well, that really helped my confidence. And uh, she said, so I said, so that's a B? She said, no, it's a B minus because the pr- presentation was worse than the preparation was good. Well, thank you very much. But I, I, I'll never forget that. So I thought I, I, thought I was perhaps reject. I, I, know, I remember my dad coming to school one year. I was a senior in high school, and, and I had made a C, and I was on the National Honor Society, and I made a C, and Dad said, that's not acceptable in this house, son. You're not going to make a C. You're not a C student. And he walked into the office, and I said, Dad, 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 that's not necessary. No, I'm coming, I'm coming to see that man. I'm going to ask him why you got a C. And if he tells me why you got a C, and, and you didn't tell me the reason you got that C, then me and you got a problem. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. Oh, oh. So he walks in, and, 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 and in a little while, he comes out and said, Son, I got that C turned around to an A. I said, You got an A in that class. And said, That man won't ever give you another C again. And I said, well, thank you, Dad. I appreciate that. He said, you're not a C student. You're an A student. Well, that's the first time that somebody gave me some hope that I perhaps might have something in my life worthwhile. But then I went to college, and I made a D in college. And I didn't call my daddy because I'm not a C student. (laughs) And my daddy died without me ever telling him that. I didn't call him. But watch what God does. I never called my daddy about that D, but I made it up. I made some extra grades and made it up. But watch what God does when he sees people. It doesn't take him long. When he encountered people, he took the bad writing. He took that old identity and replaced it with the right, correct identity. In John chapter 1, Andrew brings his brother Simon to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon. That's your name. And that name means read or somebody who listens to God but is not a doer of what he hears. He said, but from now on you shall be called Cephas, which is Peter, which means a rock. 
Jesus literally in one statement took him from a man, a passive man who was a listener and not a doer, to a rock. And he later said, I will build my church on guys just like you. And I want to tell you something. When you meet Jesus Christ, it doesn't take him all day to turn you around. He'll give you a new name right now. He'll give you a new start right now. He'll give you a new hope right now. Somebody help me preach right now. Hallelujah. Thirdly, he will not only give you strength and a name, he'll give you new joy. Anybody need some new joy this summer? Raise your hand and say, I need some of that. We've had some deaths in our church family the last three months, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's bothered me. It's, it's hit me. It's tempered me. But I've discovered something about joy. Joy is not about our circumstances. It's not external, it's internal. And you can have joy regardless of what goes on circumstantially around you. Happiness is a word that comes from happenings or circumstances. And so we get happy over things external, but joy is something on the inside. Joy is regardless of what goes on around me. I've given my life to Almighty God, and so there's nothing circumstance can actually do to me because I'm in His hands. And you got to watch this. Jacob says, hey, angel, tell me your name. And the angel came back as if to say, there's not enough time to go all over what I am. It would take forever. God put him off. And he said, why do you want to know my name? And then he said, here's what you need. You don't need mental understanding. You don't need me to give you some mental understanding. You need a touch in your life from me. There's a lot of people want to break it down and say, i got all this, I've got this. But you need to put that down and say, God, I need this in my life. I need this in my life. And then the Bible said he blessed Jacob. He blessed him. Now, that word blessed is misunderstood in Scripture because in people's mind it refers to substance. It refers to money. It refers to things and possessions and what people have and what they can accrue in life. You can still have those and not have that word blessed in your life. It has nothing to do with your circumstance. Blessed is from the Greek word makarios, which literally means internal joy. Internal joy. So when you read the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, start putting the word joy there, internal joy. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who, 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 who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The joy of the Lord will fill you up because He wants to bless you with a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Can I tell you? That's what the Holy Ghost is all about. That's what being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost is all about. We're starting our class next Sunday night at 6 o'clock, a preliminary class from 6 to 7. If you want to sign up for it, I'm game. I'll bring you cookies. I'll bring you punch. I'll bring whatever we need to have. But pastor's going to be talking about something great next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. We're going to be talking about the joy of the Lord is our strength. Everybody in the house needs a baptism of joy in your life. Come on. Rejoice in that right now. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jacob got a new strength, got a new name, and got a new joy. And just before he turned to go back to the stands, he's got some words. He said, I got some don't forgets for you, kids. And he's going to give us three, and I'm going to give them to you, and I'll close. Hey, guys, here are my final words. 
He said, brokenness precedes breakthrough. There's a lot of people who don't want to be broken. But you're going to get crushed. Brokenness precedes breakthrough. Nothing can happen until you give in. See, some people see God as judgmental. Some people see God as one who expects perfection. But all God really wants is one thing. You know what it is? It's honesty. It's honesty. You just need to come to him and say, you know what, God? I did it. I did it. I messed up. I stumbled. I fell down. He don't want you to go through to him like this. Well, you know, God, I'm really doing well with this whole sin thing. I'm about 50% down on that sin thing. I got a 50% discount this week, so I'm about 50% of what I used to do. He's looking for someone to say, I have to have you. I'm incapable of living my life without you. Here I am, all of me. In fact, here's the way I think of it. We cannot be who God intends us to be and at the same time hold on to what we think we should be. So here's the mental picture of Ezekiel chapter 47. In chapter 47, he tells about a man who had a measuring reed, and he measured some water coming out from under the temple. And he went about a thousand cubits and measured it to the ankles. And there's some people, watch this now. There's some people that just want that much of God. Just put my feet in. Just my feet in the water. Well, I got my toes wet. I'm, 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 I've got my feet cooled. And he measured another thousand. The water was to the, to the knees. And they said, you know what? I'm a Christian pastor. I come to church and every now and then I get down and I pray. But I hadn't really surrendered. And then the next was to the low ends. And I bring my kids to church, Pastor. Our reproduction is right here in the house of God. We want our kids to live in this house. Some of you have never just said, Lord, take me. And when he measured that next thousand cubits, the Bible said there was water that you couldn't even touch bottom. You, you, had to, you, couldn't swim. you had to swim because it was overwhelming. And until you get to a place in your life where you can't touch bottom, where you can't feel the riverbed on your feet, you're not where you need to be. You need to be with God. And let him float you down the river of life and say, God, whatever you have for me, whatever you want for me, this is what I desire in my life. Brokenness always precedes breakthrough. Somebody said, you know what, Pastor? I have a hard time crying. I have a hard time breaking. And it's not all in the tears. But I think that men need to understand that men can still weep. And men can still like quiche. i got to talk to you a little bit. There's nothing like a dad that's perhaps made a mistake in correction with his kids. Get down on his knees to his little daughter or his little son and say, Son, I messed up. Dad's messed up. And they see those tears of repentance in your face. They know they've got a true dad on their hand. Can you do that to your son or your daughter? Why can't you do that to your heavenly father? Just get out on your knees and say, Dad, I've messed up. The Bible said in Psalms 51, God is nigh to a broken spirit and a contrite heart. He won't despise it, but he'll get nigh to that. He's nigh to that. The Bible said in 1 Peter, he opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, before God Almighty's hand, and he will lift you up in due time. Brokenness always is first before breakthrough. You've got to be broken. God, I'm wrong. The second thing you have to do, Jacob said, 
you got to lose yourself in order to find yourself. Your life is never really going to be what you had hoped it would be until you let every bit of it go. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, call the crowd to join his disciples. And he, he said, you must come to me with your life and let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. He said, I am. So I want to ask you a question. Are you ready to come from the crowd to a disciple? Or are you ready just to stay in the crowd? Because the crowd can still be there, but they're not getting what the disciples are getting. Mark chapter 8, verse 35 said, If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. So here's three words I want to give you today. I want you to take it all week. And here's those three words. Go all in. Go all in. Is it on the board? Go all in. Everybody say, God, I want all of you. I want everything. I want all you have for my life. Randy, if you'll help me. Break through the hurdle. Quit the intention. Start running the play. Make your life count. Get in a small group. Surrender to God completely. Get baptized. Attend a Holy Spirit class. Let yourself be filled with the Spirit of God. CLC is a family. Get in a family of God. We have family here. We want you in this church. We desire you in this house. We have a lot of kids to feed here. One more place at the table won't hurt us at all. We got enough chicken to go around, I promise. Serve. You find a place. Belong. Don't just be here. Belong. And lastly, I close. When you do find yourself on God's terms, that's when you're going to find true fulfillment. Fulfillment. Now I want you to put everything down, all your notes. Put them all down. I want you to put them down. Look up here. I don't want you studying now. I want you looking at me. I want you to look at me. I, I got to talk to you. Every Sunday morning, before first service, I have a little talk with, with the Father. And uh, I've got a picture in my office of Jesus, that little eight-year-old girl from Lithuania painted it. They say it's the most re- resembled-like picture of the little boy that went to heaven. Heaven is for real, that little movie. He saw Jesus, and he said, he came back and said, this is the picture that looks like him. So I've got that picture. man gave it to me before he died, one of my dear friends. And I look at that picture every morning, and I look at it every day. But on Sunday mornings, I, I stand before that picture, and I don't pray to the picture. But I stand and I say, God, listen, you've been good to me. This is every Sunday. You've been good to me. You brought me from a lot of rejection, from a lot of insecurity, from a lot of fear, self-doubt. And you, you've placed a calling on my life. I get to talk to a bunch of people on Sunday. And every Sunday, it's the same thing. It's the same tears. It's, I just bawl my eyes out. Lord, I got something to tell you. If you took this church away from me today, I want you to know I'd still love you like I love you right now because Lord I'm not in love for you because in love with you because you gave me a, a wonderful church I'm in love with you because you saved me you changed my life changed my life and if somebody else can do this church better than I can let them come in and do it but until that day comes God I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing but if you take it away I'm still going to love you with all that I am all that I am
I had to say that a long time ago about a family was taken from me. Now I said about a church. Because I'm in love with Jesus. Because he has given me strength that I didn't know I had. He has given me a name that I didn't know existed. He's given me joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Because one day he broke me. Brokenness came before the breakthrough. And I'm standing here today, and I'm not trying to make you weep. I'm just crying before you. I stand here today telling you, Jesus has got something great for you in your life. He really does. And when you find him, you're going to find the fulfillment that you need in your life. And not until you do. Would you mind doing me a favor and standing to your feet, clapping your hands for the word today, and thanking God for the word of the Lord here today.